It's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Most definitely all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey, with you until 7 o'clock. I'm drenched, Dave. I texted it's not me sideways. There's just been a rainstorm outside. I don't know what they just said in the weather bulletin there, but trust me, it's raining. Uh, it got me there like nobody's business. Neil, you know if there's a cloud, mate, it follows you. I swear. <laughs> I was just saying before we went on air then to our listeners, I was, I was just saying to Neil, if I have one abide memory, if I was never to see him ever again after tonight, it'd be him looking absolutely drenched all the time. Because it always used to be the case, Neil, didn't it? When you you, that, that, you that, always that, get here quite late, is that fair to say? That is very fair to you say. You cut it quite close mm. and most of the time he's really flustered because he's got a million and one things to do in the day and his hair's normally all over the place and everything but he's always drenched and and I'm thinking I don't even think it's been raining out there it just follows him just one cloud (laughs) yeah uh, there there was that summer two years ago and I went through about seven pairs of shoes in four weeks um, for for the bottoms of them being done in anyway this is all in the game Neil Atkinson David Downey with you until seven o'clock as I said at the start Uh, part one we'll talk about I think Liverpool winning the Crystal Palace David's not unreasonable part two we'll have a we'll have a conversation about Everton's season to come, still a couple of tricky games coming up, and part three we'll look at the Europa League. Um, Saturday night, mm-hmm. don't believe me, just watch. Liverpool were <laughs> were all right against Crystal Palace. They were very all right. It was it was more the feeling, Dave, that that, that impressed me. That Liverpool were at seven out of ten. They were at eight out of ten, mm-hmm. and yet they were head and shoulders better than Crystal Palace in their own ground. Yeah, I think I described it to you several weeks ago. Was, uh, I think it was the performance in the first game against Chelsea in the in the League Cup. I said Liverpool were ominous, and this is very much what I sort of envisaged happening. Um, again, going back to what that one person said to me a few weeks back, that was, you know, Liverpool are the form team in the league, but they don't look like it. Now it seems very much they do look like it, because they're playing within themselves. You know, you mentioned the 7 out of 10 performance there. Um, that you got, you still got the feeling that they could push it another level or two if necessary, if it was needed. Okay, yeah, it was a 2 1 win, and you know, you, you find yourself susceptible to possibly concede an equaliser, but there was never a point after you went in front where I thought, you know, Palace can get back to get these back to uh, to Anfield here. That you know, it looked as solid a 2 1, as solid a one goal lead as there could possibly be. Uh, and I, I think that that's a result of you know, just general confidence that the team's picked up over the last few weeks and momentum. You know, everybody knows the job, everybody knows the duty, everybody has an identity in the side now. There was four different periods in the game where Liverpool really impressed me. One was straight after they went 1-0 down, mm-hmm. where there was no recrimination, there was no... There was just, all right, we'll have to keep it going. It was taken in stride. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So it was that attitude. Then there was that, that, that passage of play before that, uh, from about 32 to about 42 minutes, when Liverpool just penned them in. Just absolutely penned Palace in. And uh, the, the, when they did get out, they created the opportunity, which uh, if that had gone sooner, it might, would have been a very different game, the, I think. Dwight Gale, yeah. yeah. But, but up to that point, Liverpool just they just had Palace compl- almost just in their own box. You know, it was real 10 behind the ball with mm. one trying to chase down opportunities stuff. And it was very impressive, I thought, in terms of... The, uh, th- this is something I've been critical of, of, of all of Brendan Rodgers' sides for, for the, last th- for the three seasons he's been here. Even the side last season, I felt at times, wasn't good enough at turning the screw but that side really did turn the screw and they should have gone ahead it's a great save from Spironi for a, uh, I think it's Lallana's chance uh, there's, but there's, there's there's so much in there when they've got them penned in that space it's very very impressive football the sort of stuff that you see City or Chelsea do when, yeah. they're, when they're on form um, just got them completely in then there's obviously the, the, the explosive patch after the break where they score the two goals obviously it's impressive because they get the two goals and, and there was an inevitability to the fact that they were yeah. going to get those two goals and then there was I thought Palace came back a little bit but then for about seven 
75 after the double substitution through to about 85, 88 minutes when they just kept the ball and, and just mm. killed the game mm. completely. And I thought that was really impressive football as well. And it's quite different. It's different from what you saw in Rodgers' first season. It's different from last season. It's it's a different it's a different style, style brand of football to a certain extent. I think it's still got the potential to become more like last season's football. I think that's the next thing that needs to happen. I do think that you look at that league table at the moment, and I know this was a cup game, but you look at that league table at the moment, and we're three, four games away from the point at which you're saying the goal difference of Arsenal, United and Southampton's worth a point. Yeah. And I think Liverpool have got to, at some point soon, begin to arrest that. Yeah. They've got to turn that back round into their favour a little bit. They do need to go and... Now that Sturridge is back, now that you can you can envisage a Sturridge Balotelli front two, I do think someone's got to get a hiding mm-hmm. soon. I think that's the next thing this side needs yeah. to do. Because it did it last season. It began to scare the life out of op- opposition football mm-hmm. teams quite early. But what that showed us, when Palace just collapsed back at 1-0... Liverpool just found the way through yeah. and I think that's the key thing and that's that's what's been lacking from recent weeks it's obviously the storage <laughs> effect I think Lallana helps as well because you you know it's it's something I say facetiously about John Joe Shelby but Adam Lallana has got a goal in him he's very much a one in three in the Premier League mm. attacking midfielder I think that there's there's still so much more to come at least I hope there is from this side but what you saw on Saturday was was a real flavour I think you can now see how they, if they go up 10% in certain areas they could be blowing some sides away yeah definitely but the the thing I want to pick it up on is, you know, you, you said that um, last season's team, or the way last season's team played, is sort of the next step for this side. I, I sort of see it in a different way, as in this is an evolution of what happened last season. Um, you probably mean in, in the terms of goal scoring and, yeah. and just absolutely annihilating teams at times, which is quite correct. But I, I see it in the way that it, it, it's evolved, as in, in individuals are now allowed to express or see, seemingly find themselves express themselves a lot easier now in this side there seems to be um a, a shift from if you were on the fringes of things for example a markovic for example mm. a lalana there seems to be a relative ease in which they can get themselves into the side and keep a place and that always seemed to be in Sides that weren't Rogers, you know, in, in Benitez, in in Hodgson, in whoever, it always seemed really difficult for that player to break into a side. Now there seems to be a process in which you establish yourself as a contributor to this side. You will get your chance, and by getting your chance, that the, there isn't the mounds of pressure on you that we've seen in the past. And there's more there's a relative calm and and composure about it, and everybody's at ease. Like you say, when you go one 0 down, it's like you take it in your stride, and that very much seems the way about everything. At the moment, everything seems to be well. Okay, we'll go with this. We'll, we'll see what we can do with this. It's very much working with what you've got, rather than looking to a promised land that perhaps is, is unattainable. I think there's more pla- there's more places up for grabs yeah. in this side. I think that's the key thing. I think last season, if you if you look at last season's side, and even as that evolved over the course of the season, you're picking Suarez, you're mm. picking Sturridge, you're picking Gerrard, you're picking Henderson. So now in the front six positions, there's two up for grabs. One of those is probably going to go to Coutinho or Allen. Uh, you'd say. So then, where does the next one go? And 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 then as the season wore on. It's going to Raheem Sterling. So now there's only one place up for grabs and there's two lads going for it. But the other key thing was those two lads were clearly head and shoulders, Alan and Coutinho, clearly head and shoulders ahead of everyone else in the squad mm. with the possible exception of Lucas who had his own injuries I'd contrast that with what you saw at left back last season where Enrique gets a go gets himself injured Sissoko gets a go but it ends up the positions claimed by Flanagan who had that calm assurance when he came in yeah. because he was coming in at that level the level that was you know he knows he's in around Sissoko's level and he's a, he's being coached <coughs> by the manager to become a better player I think this is I think it's a really interesting point that Liverpool are approaching a moment where they haven't got the standout superstar stylings of 
of Suarez. Mm. But Sturridge isn't far away from that, but he's going to take a bit of time to get his form back. It wouldn't surprise you if coming up against Besiktas, Sturridge doesn't start and Raheem Sterling does up front as an example. But what, what wouldn't surprise you either is if he does go with Sturridge and Balotelli. And I think the big thing is, you can envisage him now resting Coutinho using Alana more, bringing someone out. And you can now see how, you know, Markovic and Iber competing for a position. Moreno's in there competing for a wing-back position. You can envisage a game where perhaps Sterling gets gets his game at wing-back. They all feel like, as you say, there's now conceivably seven, eight, nine of these lads who you all f- who are contributing in, in the front six positions. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's always going to be one of Alan or Lucas who's going to play in that deepest role next to Henderson. Henderson's most likely to play next to n- there, but then, you know, either wing back, the two in behind, the one up front, or if it goes two up front and one in behind. It's five places. And the, sorry, excuse me, there's five places, and those five places are allowing for Sturridge's injuries, uh, allowing for the fact that you want to wrap them in cotton wool a little bit. There are five places that feel very much up for grabs. Anyone can come in and take mm. those places, and then they can bring... In, and I think it is in a relaxed manner, because it doesn't feel like you're going to get your one chance, and then that's going to be that. Yeah. It does feel it's like... It's not forced, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, that's exactly right. I don't think, you know, you, you feel as if, well... If somebody comes in and not lets the team down, but as a five out of ten, and it's not their day, and you know maybe Joe Allen when he come in, well, Lallana at Bolton, Lallana at Bolton, you know he was he was poor. He got hooked on sixty, went straight down the tunnel, and I think he might have had a bit of an injury. He might have been carrying a little bit of something. Yeah, but in, in the past, that would have been very difficult for him to come back from. Yeah. It would have taken a longer time. Now it seems as if it's you know okay, that's fine. It's out the window. We won the game. You know, there's there's no mitigating circumstances with this. You start again. You know, it, it's it's very seems to be a very simple linear process that that's going on here but the thing what you've just said there when you you, you know you're describing it, places up for grabs and things it, it screams versatility versatility to me um that Liverpool probably haven't had in a very very long time I don't um, I, think, I think a lot of sides haven't got it to be honest yeah. you think about you know it wouldn't if Liverpool start against Besiktas with uh well they can't start with Markovic but I'll just do it hypothetically he's suspended but if it was Markovic and Ibe off Balotelli you'd go all right, that can work. Let's have a look at this. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Um, you know, and I think that that's the, mm-hmm. and that's the, that, that. I mean, and Raheem Sterling's. You know, he's a prime example of this. You can imagine him almost turning up anywhere on the pitch. You'd be mildly interested if he started at centre half. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can you, you can see how these lads can move around a little bit. Emery Chan's an example of this as well. Right the way through the sides, Chan's probably in a sense the best example. But there are four or five players, maybe even five or six players. Lallana spent a fair bit of time at wing back. Um, against uh, at the weekend against Crystal Palace, you know you can envisage how you can all move yourselves around the pitch. You can all go and do five minutes here, mm. ten minutes there, and I do think that this is something Liverpool have got to be able to do if they're going to be able to bridge the gap to City and Chelsea. They've got to have very versatile players, yeah. but got, a lot of these players have got reasonably similar to a certain extent skill sets. They're all technically really really mm. good you know and including Emery Chan in that as well you know who's playing right the way back at centre half going right forward through the entire team mm. all these lads really are technically good good footballers mm. if Joe Allen was playing for a, a mid-table side as Steve Graves said to me yesterday you know he, he, you could conceivably see him playing in the number 10 position that's the sort of but for us he plays deeper mm. and he, you actually you're comfortable seeing him be the deepest being able to see the pitch mm. you know that's why I think it's intriguing to see who sticks out a little bit and it's, it, it feels like you know you're slightly harsh on the lads because you know he's he's clearly a good player he's a 7 out of 10 footballer but someone like Moreno does appear to be a little 
a little Gerana Risa, for want of a better yeah. phrase, when these lads are all Fabarelio. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's elements of, he's a little, you know, he's a little up and down in this groove here, mm. whereas they're all, they're all doing all sorts, of, you know, they're, they're, they're able to all interchange in and out of each other's position. You can you can envisage how you could play, you know, even a 4-3-2-1 with storage off someone like Balotelli if you wanted, yeah. or they can go the other way around. There's loads and loads in this, and I, the shape's exciting, I think, and I think it's, it's full of possibilities, whereas I do think that the other way, you know, when when Brendan Rodgers has tried to play four two three one, which he has this season, it's felt a little bit like he's making them all be Moreno. These mm. lads don't want to be. They don't want to be the lad who goes up and down. They want to be. They want to be capable of absolutely anything, freewheeling. And again, I think you saw that at the weekend as well. It was, it was, it was good to see in that regard. And it, without anyone having put in the sort of game that makes you go, oh my god, he's brilliant. And that's the that's the, yeah. the most impressive thing to, for me. Liverpool looked irresistible. They looked like they were going to win the game. They looked really quite certain of themselves. Mm. You never really panicked for them. You felt that at worst it was going to be a replay all match, and there was no one on the pitch. Who you going? That's some performance he's just put in. Yeah, it was very subtle, wasn't it? And it, 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 it was like a silent assassin type of approach, wasn't it? And it, it was lethal, albeit you know n- nothing you know death-defying or spectacular about it. it was uh, it was really interesting. I have to applaud Rogers' pragmatism in it because it it took him a while to arrive at this. But the fact the fact that he seems to persist with trying to constantly find something that works I think is to be applauded as a manager I know we're going to get on to Everton in a, in a bit but um, that, that sort of ballsy gutsy type of management is, is a rarity I think and when the, the stakes are so high in today's game Neil I, I think it, the, the fact that he's able to find the formula keep coming up with something different I mean I, I know he identified the I was talking to uh, uh, Sangi before about it the uh, Palace game it was after that he went and lost 3-0 to Man United wasn't it when you started the three at the back and yeah. this, this system that you have in place now that took a hell of a lot of guts to to, to, to go with yeah. that away at Old Trafford straight away. And he said, uh, listening to his interview this week, Roger said it was time to start again to look at something different. That that takes extreme bottle, Neil. I, I wonder. Think. I wonder about in this whether or not you need to. Rogers has got what underpins the football he wants to play. You know, I can pick a Brendan F- Rogers footballer out of a lineup. Uh, Alex, Alex Oxley Chamberlain to me looks like a Brendan Rogers footballer. Um, whereas I'm trying to think of a really good example of someone who isn't, and I can't come to it off the top of my head. But don't worry about that. Pacey, really good technique, um, versatility, can do it in a number of positions. I do wonder. We we're used to more used to managers. I think certainly on Merseyside in, in Moyes and Benitez, Hodgson as well. You know, to a certain extent. Um, who worry hugely about shape. And whilst I think what's interesting about Rogers ending up with this shape, and ending up with it, again, doesn't suggest he found it, but down the back of the couch, he was thinking about this. But that Rogers went, we're going to play this shape, this is what we're going to do for at least a couple of weeks. It did it in the United game, and it was quite clear. You know, if you do that, you, you can't you can't get rid of it after doing it once. Mm. You know, you, So you go and you do it. And I think what's interesting about that is, the the way he's got them playing in the shape is completely underpinned by how he wants his sides to go and play football. So it's pragmatic in a sense, but it's completely idealistic in another sense. Yeah. It's very much, you know, it is this idea of what suits these lads now. But I do wonder, and you know, someone said something like that on this to me today, whether or not, and it's the first time I'd thought about it, this idea that there was, maybe you needed to make a change to keep them sharp. Maybe you were trying to make them do last year's sort of model. You were trying to make them do stuff that they've been used to their entire career, and maybe you just wanted them to to, to switch on 
and be a little sharper. And maybe that's what this has sort of done. You know, give them, give them, give them some problems to solve. And you look, and it's interesting that Emre Chan probably had his poorest game he's had in this position this week. Not his poorest game when he has comes on at half time against Burnley, and he's switched on. From you know, it's Boxing Day. They're trying everything. They're lashing the ball at him all game. It's not that one that gets him. It's not when Lukaku goes and stands on him for mm-hmm. for forty five to sixty minutes before realizing he's getting nothing from him. It's not that one that gets him. It's this one. And the thing that's interesting, I think it's not least because of what Palace do, and they do play with genuine wide men, and it does give the right-sided centre-half and left-sided centre-half problems to solve. But I do think that there might be an element of, got a bit too easy. Mm. And maybe this now means next game, you know, he, he, he might not have been entirely at the races in the way in which he has been recently. That might not have been entirely at the races in the, in the terms of the way in which he is when Liverpool face Chelsea and he knows I'm going to be in for an examination. But it might be this one that's made, made him go a little bit, hmm. Well, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm really good at this. And then suddenly it's a little harder again. Complacency. Yeah, just just yeah. A, just a little step into complacency. And I, and and it's you know it's it's the sort of thing that's going to happen if you're 20 years old and everyone's saying you're great, you mate. Yeah. You know because because you have been as well. You know you walk off the pitch um, after Liverpool's game against um, uh, Spurs, feeling like oh we're a good side. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a really good player. And you're walking round and you must feel fantastic. And then you know you have got to then get that process of thinking about the, the Palace game. But then you're thinking, well, I've I've done it against Chelsea. I've done mm-hmm. it against. Spurs, I've done it against Everton, everyone said to me this is dead hard, I'm great and then suddenly you know there might be a little moment of not quite as switched yeah. on as you were and you know and this isn't to get on the lads back at all because we've said this in the past it's quite hard to say to these lads you, Brendan Rodgers can't say whoa you, mm. you're not the finished article you think you are because he's spending so much of his time saying to them you're great I think you're all yeah. great. So it's quite difficult, yeah. and I do wonder if you know if there's if that can happen a little bit. And it wouldn't surprise me if you know if you if you found out, you know, uh, Rogers have pulled Chance on one side today and just said, "Listen, mate, you know, you've it's it's you've been great so far, but let's just not." And it you know it's it's the old sort of old school management of a Bob Paisley where it doesn't need more than a sentence. A Ronnie Moran yeah. doesn't need more than a sentence, just reminding someone that they're not they're not that good yet. And uh, I, I do wonder if you know if that's what sort of happened there. But if then the the converse of that is by giving these lads all these new problems to solve this season Liverpool have suddenly been able to to get them back completely engaged because the mm. key thing is Dave they do look like a side that very much wins together you got Saka in the crowd after the game the way they were after the, the Spurs game was I thought huge for them mm. they're all winning together they're all learning how yeah. to win together in this shape and that's what they look like to me you know they look like lads who are completely switched on to everything that they're doing they all buy into what, what they're, they're, they're being fed Neil I think is the important thing to say I mean you, you contrast that with last season when Suarez left, that must have been a kick in the stomach for, to those who have been told, listen lads, we're playing the same system next season because they think, well hang on, we, we haven't got the personnel this time, we haven't got the man who led the line for us doing that. Um, so in a lot of ways, keeping players on the toes would have been a difficult job for Rodgers. By switching and giving players like Chan something different to think about, whilst telling them that the best in the world, very, very... Um, a shrewd way, isn't it, of of sort of getting them motivated in a different sense of rather than saying, well, look, we know you can do this job, we know you're brilliant at this job, but here's something else to think about as well. You're educating them and they're educating themselves yeah. in the process. I think it's, you know, and, and whilst, and it, I think this is why, obviously different players are different people and they've, they've got different personality mm. points and I do think that, you know, Rogers. The, the the other interesting thing that you've seen, I think, this season is a couple of times, more than a couple of times. You know, you can now name five or six of this Liverpool side, even if you include Jordan Henderson. That going back to Rogers' first season, we've had long periods without first team football. 
without mm. re, you know regular starting the game first team football who have, who then become regulars because I think it's partially because it means he can work with them mm. it means that for instance all the lads who you know all the lads who didn't feature on Saturday can all be in training with him on Sunday um, or certainly especially if they're not in the 18 mm. and therefore you know Moreno is nowhere to be seen for a few weeks against this is a Steve Graves thing and then suddenly he's back and that's where he is mm. uh, M. Chan's nowhere to be seen suddenly then he appears and there's a run of games in it for him Coutinho's in and out to the side and now he's started too many games he now needs a little bit of a break but he's gone on that run you look at the right full, right wing back you're looking at Markovic even I when he's come back from loan he hasn't just launched him straight back in you know he's, he, he had a couple of little subs appearances but mm. there was you know there was, there's been two three weeks there where he's where he's been working with the player and Balotelli's the next one of these to see if it's interesting. Lovren's mm. the next one of these. The goalkeeper was pulled out of the side as we, you know, as we talked about at length. And I think this is partially the player gets to reassess, gets to think through, it's mental. But I think it's also being able to work with them. But it's no coincidence, like you've just identified there. It's no coincidence that Rogers um, brings players in who he says fit profiles first of all and you think well what's this rubbish he's talking about when but he talks about their personalities and how they are as people that's crucial to what is going on at the moment isn't it I mean like you've said it's it's about getting people to buy into what their philosophy is um, by constantly challenging them with, with, with new with new things to do with new things to think about in games that is a way of of keeping them on their toes all the time. I think it's it's a really interesting way, and really uh, the mentality side of it. I think is fascinating. I think you you wouldn't see it so much in other managers, like you say, who are you know obsessed with shape, like a Moyes. It's maybe he, he doesn't care too much for who is in that position as long as they can do a job in that shape. And the the, the interesting one I think is going to be when Liverpool this season get. Sterling Sturridge and Coutinho well on the pitch together. I think that because what's going to be interesting about that is Sterling's football when he's basically gone to play centre forward and effectively learnt whilst playing centre forward. Yes, he did it at youth level sometimes, but he's effectively now gone up against some of the Premier League's gnarliest defenders. He's done that bit of the battle. That's done. He's going to come back in and he's not going to be playing centre forward, but I think he's going to find himself in that position quite a lot. And that, I think, is going to be a really interesting situation now where basically he's now learnt this skill. He's now got this trade. It's in his back pocket. I've got this thing that I know Mm -hmm. how to do. And he's got that because circumstances dictated he's got to go and do that role for this period of time. And how those three work and dovetail, I think, is... It's the thing that I think is going to define how well Liverpool can do in the big games that they've got to come. They've got City at home on the 1st of March. I think Southampton might be coming a little too soon. But by the time of City at home, you're hoping Sturridge is at a month. Um, Sterling's got his little knock. Coutinho needs a little rest. But you're hoping they're all getting back in. And then you're looking at, at, you know, there's a couple of big games. There's a home against Man United. There's an away against Arsenal. There's what hopefully is going to happen in the FA Cup and the Europa League. And... Dotted around those games is your opportunity to be looking after everyone else. But off what those three have learned from this patch of games this season, how they then implement it amongst the three of them is what's going to work out. One, where Liverpool finish, and two, arguably, if Liverpool do or don't win a cup. Mm. This is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Be with you till 7 o'clock, Everton after this. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. City's up 105.9, Neil Axe and Dave Downey with you through now until 7 o'clock. Um, Dave, we were, we were talking there in the break about uh, Everton, the misfortune of Everton at, at Chelsea. When you put that much into a performance, you want to see your side take something from it. Certainly in the aftermath of the derby as well, I think it would have been very nice for Everton to have got through those games with five points, uh, and especially the, um, that, including the Palace game away, but especially the you know the idea that you take a strong point at Goodison. Uh, it, would have, it would have made the point at Goodison in the derby almost 
becomes look like a better point if you then go and take the, effectively the same point at Stamford <clears> Bridge and you can then yeah. s- point at it and say we are more solid. It's one of these times where you feel as though the events of football really do compound your own ability to analyse football. Yeah. The order they come in as well, I think, is crucial because I mean, if we you outline, you, you put those three games on paper, you say four points, you think I'm content with that, I'm happy with that, that's all right. Uh, even if we were challenged for the top four position, I'd say that's that's okay. Four from those three, you know. Mm. Uh, the order in which they come in, the win, the draw, and the loss, it's you know, it, it's poor. Um, you know, it's it's on the down. It's curve, important for Everton to rise above it, isn't it? With the with the games yeah. up against young boys it's, and Leicester. It's important that we don't dwell on bad luck, Neil. But it's very very difficult not to at the moment because things things do seem to be conspiring against us. The clean sheets have been the defence. To his credit, he has sorted out. Um, and which which is why I, I don't sort of take when people are moaning about us not creating anything to the other end. I think the situation we were in um, six to eight weeks ago. We were conceding silly, sloppy goals from all over the show. You all of a sudden, away. Yeah. All of a sudden, John's all away as well. All of a sudden, John Stones comes back in and things look a, a lot more solid. We've got a foundation to build on now, and I think it's probably... in, in Ever- A team like Everton, who have scored quite a lot of goals in the early goings in this season, I think we've scored at home. I think we've got one of the best goal-scoring records at home in the Premier League. Um, I, I, I think it sort of goes... At, at, Against the the grain of the adage that you know goal scoring wins games for Everton, I think it's very much a clean sheet is where we need to start now, um, because I have confidence that we have the players to score goals because we've seen it so far this season. It's very much back to front. I think for us, we need to get an established foundation, which I think we've done largely. I think we've only conceded one in five now. Um, ironically, that's when Tim Howard re- returns to the goal. And I think I think he probably could have done a lot better for their goal, but that's that's by the by. It was it, it shouldn't have happened anyway. We, we got Barry sending off, and it all felt a, a lot like you know, well done, well done, Everton. But you know, we're, we're going to get sucker punched in the end. I think Ped uh, actually on the blue room outlined it very well. It's the hope that kills you in games like that. You sort of know it's coming. Lukaku misses there, you know the writing's on the wall. You, you sense that inevitability. And he, see, that's me sounding like it's a hard luck story right there, and that, that's what it feels like at the moment, Neil. It's hard to overcome that, it's hard to rise above it you look at the run of fixtures coming up though and I think that sort of should reinvigorate us because I think very much the shackles are off against young boys on Thursday Uh, interesting I was talking to someone earlier today and they were saying that Everton seemed primed for this tie and I said well in what sense and he was saying when you look at the two performances against Liverpool and Chelsea you take them as a blueprint for this match and you're probably coming away with a one or two goal victory which I think there's a lot of merit in that I think you know the way we have played yeah very much European away style yeah um, you know obviously the the arguments to be made that we're not creating much at all but you know if we come away from a nil-nil draw or better in Bern you know you're content with that you are very much so Um, with the home game of Goodison to follow then we've got a massive game against Leicester on Sunday, where we could, you know, realistically see ourselves within a, within a loss of the bottom three, which is the similar circumstances to what we arrived at when we went to Palace and won one nil. Leicester doesn't concern me so much because I think, you know, that that's chaos. What's going on with them at the yeah. moment? It really is. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. After that, it's Arsenal away, and then it does ease up for us a bit. Seems to me, Neil, the last few weeks, it just seems to be. You know, really tough game after really tough game the, on our doorstep. It's massive though the Leicester game to get the three points because yeah, it keeps, keeps the wall from the door. You've got the Arsenal game to follow, and then when it does ease up, what that mm. means is you know Martinez can look around the dressing room, can look around, look around the league, and go right. We've got you know mm. we've got five games to come here where we just take two points a game. We get back to that sort of form, even if it's you know even one point one one and a half 
points a game would realistically mean that you know come when there's 30 on the board 30 games on the board Everton are sitting on 40 points yeah. and, and, that, and that's important I think for the Europa League as well the, the sooner Everton can go we're concentrating on the Europa League the better and that's that's the problem they've got because everyone around them beneath them mm. you know there's like we said in the break there of the, those four or five sides two or three of them do just keep winning yeah there is relative uncertainty at the moment and as, like you say you've hit the nail on the head there as soon as Everton can say look we can make a, a concentrated effort on the Europa League Use the Premier League to gain some momentum to, to try some things that may be a little bit different. Um, because, I mean, you know, fans would argue there's still plenty to play for, not least pride, uh, in the last few few weeks of the season. You know, Everton don't want to go into the summer having finished like something silly like 16, 15, 16. You know, the, the, there's that to contend with as well, I think. And certainly from financial point of view, that's no good for us as well. So, um, you know, there's still plenty to be addressed there, but... I, I, I'm with you. I do think we need to prioritise the Europa League as soon as possible, when necessary, when, when we're safe enough to do so. I think that Leicester game's massive to get a three points there. Arsenal, again, you probably approach it the same way you did with Chelsea, and you know you, you would take a point. And then, you know, the, the, like the fixtures do lighten up, um, certainly on paper anyway. Uh, you know, the, the following weeks after that, so it's it sort of you do sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. You really do because we found this. This thing to build on, something to cling to at the moment. In in, the, in John Stones alone, I'd actually pointed to is probably doing the disservice to Jaggy Hocker, but John Stones has just been immense, Neil. And it, it, obviously, the first thing that concerns me in Evertonian is keeping hold of the lad because he is superb. He really, really is. I've not seen a centre half like him in. in well, I really can't think. I want it's, to be honest uh, with you. He, he is that good. He'd be well. He'd be well advised not to not to make any rash moves. Oh, absolutely because, not. Because the thing I, you know, with the, it's something I bang on about, which is, you know, you look at the way um, Liverpool have done it, Manchester City, uh, Chelsea, Manchester United are a really good example. You know, if you ever want to point point anything out to John Stones, just tell him to look at Phil Jones. Where Phil Jones looked fantastic playing for Blackburn at centre back, and then moves to Manchester United, gets tried all over the pitch, never gets a run at centre half really, and that, it's insofar as you can ruin the career of a man who's probably on eighty thousand pounds a week I'd, I'd venture it's ruined his career mm. and I you know I think that Martinez can say if you stick with me you're starting you're definitely starting whereas yeah. if you go to Manchester City and they have a little lucky and they don't like the look of you you know they, they want to go with Mangala instead mm. well you, you I'd say he's better than but they want to go with him instead then you're in this position where you, well, you're at centre back you never get your game yeah, and you're, out, you're out in the cold yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely and then that's very important and I think it's an important thing for, for Everton to be able to say and for, for, for Martinez to be able to demonstrate every opportunity you know you, you you stay here you get games and whoever it is who's advising Stones I suspect the, 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 the smart enough to know the risks of of any sort of any move like that because I, yeah. there's the the the, the, the the graveyards of football are littered with young centre-halves who made big moves too early. Oh, some, absolutely. Some recover from it. Paletta's a great example, you know, and this is the key thing. Liverpool had Paletta, who's this week in the transfer window just gone, gone, made a big move, I think, from Parma to Milan. And it's the sort of, you know, he was in the uh, Italian World Cup mm. squad and he, he came to Liverpool for, not, in, not for the time, a bad fee, but he just couldn't get a run of games and you lose one season, two seasons. And I do think that, you know, there's, the, 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 there's lads like that who've been bought by every single club higher up in the league than Everton yeah. and then and then those players just find themselves going to seed yeah that's absolutely right that. I think he's um, he seems a very level headed lad whenever I've seen him speak he's, he's really eloquent for his age far beyond his years he would seem in the head and uh, I, I, I love to watch him Neil and I don't, I don't say that about many centre-halves it's not a position I sort of yeah 
I like to watch, particularly when I go and watch a football match. But he is he's, he's a delight to watch, particularly when he's on the ball as well. I mean, we spoke about how inept Gareth Barry's been lately of um, you know carrying the ball off from either the goalkeeper or back four and, and starting attacks. John Stones does that for you in much the way Chan has been for Liverpool yeah. in, in, in spells. Well, is, that, is that part of your argument that you get to go, you know, if, you, if, if your Martin is at some point there's the suspension coming up against Leicester, but is this where you begin to think, well, do I need a fella in front to help with this yeah. when I've got this fella here? That's the key thing here. Does he need that? Does he need that extra person to do it? If, if we, do you know what? I'd even try it if we, if we had the circumstances of being safe enough and not having such a crucial game against Leicester. I, I'd be, I'd be in favour of maybe trying something like that. No, I'm not saying movement to midfield. Oh, sorry. I'm saying just play, just get, just say, just do it from centre half. If you, yeah. can, if oh, you can yeah. do this yeah. from the centre back yeah. position, then we actually don't need this idea that this is what this player does. Yeah. You can then go either you can go Bessich and Barkley mm. and, and, and let Barkley run loose. You can go, you can play the three of them Bessage, mm. Barkley and McCarthy you can go McCarthy, Barkley you know you've got suddenly you've got those options if you've got someone who can step into midfield and start play yeah that that, that yeah putting it that way Neil yeah it does it, it, that would be the ideal I think because you've got a team like Leicester I don't think they don't press so much I think they've, they've got a lad they've just signed who's got a great header yesterday against Villa Kramaric I think his name is he doesn't he didn't appear to press a lot um, and that play into somebody like Stones' hands if he wants to bring the ball out and free up that extra midfield space. Whereas I think with Barry, you've got to be a lot more rigid if if you do that because he, he he's not he's not someone who will. Um, you've also, Evan, I've also got. I mean, I think it's uh, and I think this is part of the effect of the recent decision. You know, looking at Seamus mm-hmm. Coleman, but. Uh, I do think you know you've got these technically very able fullbacks as well. Yeah, Everton should be should feel liberated to play out from the back. They mm. should feel as though this is a this is on the cards. Jagielka's not he's he's not an agricultural centre back either himself. Mm. I wouldn't say. I do think that this is this is one of those times when I think fear can affect you. And it's it's no coincidence to me that Everton have looked better in defence when Stones, who hadn't been around as part of that run. Mm. Brings himself back in, and he plays with a with a certain liberty, with a certain ideal. You know, he's not he's not a lad who's only won one in fourteen. Whereas Jagielka has only won one in fourteen yeah. or two in fourteen, whatever the stat is. That's not happened to John Stones. Yeah. He's been injured while that's gone on. That's happened to other lads. That's their business. I'm John Stones. I'm going to come in and I'm going to play my John Stones yeah. game. And I do think that you know the next step for Everton, and this is why I think it makes sense to to adopt a stop the rot point of view with Mar- from Martinez is is to stop that and then say Seamus. Relax. You can mm. play a little bit more. Leighton, you can play a little bit more. Let's find, feed the ball, get the ball into into you, get you playing. And that, I, I think it's an opportunity for Everton against Leicester. I think it's a real opportunity yeah. to actually to play some to to have the solidity that they've had, but also to go and play some serious football. Well, the interesting thing about the fullbacks you just mentioned here is it the, the it's funny they've had to they, they've had to play like traditional fullbacks as we we would know them from yesteryear. Uh, lately, they've had to do the defensive duties. They had to make that a priority. Whereas for much of their Everton careers, they've been you know Maverick, Parade forward. At will, particularly Coleman, he's had to have found a lot more discipline in his game. I mean, he he, he impressed so much going forward that he was converted to a right midfielder for two seasons under David Moyes. Um, so for him, it, uh, it has been difficult. I think he's, he's found it difficult. As I said in the derby, I did fear for him, uh, particularly if if people double up on him, particularly mm. when he's got somebody in front of him who doesn't necessarily track back too much, i.e. Morales in that instance. Um, but it, you know it. I think it bodes well that we've we found something that works at the back. Stones, he seems to have a common effect on everybody else. If Martinez well. was here, he'd, he'd say that Barry's playing at the back as well. 
Martinez would say, well, that part of that unit's Gareth Barry. He would. He would say that. Yeah, he'd say that. Would he be completely wrong to say that, or does that need to be emphasised? He's not. He's not wrong in the sense of how we set up, but he's he's completely wrong in the sense of how we actually end up playing. Because he's just bypassed you. He's think? bypassed. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He he becomes nullified by any any opposition player that is in and around him. That's that's how poor he's been lately. And I hate saying that. I hate getting on players' backs to such an extent. But he has been that way, Neil. You know, you've you've got to call a you know a spade a spade. We're, we're going to go to the break. There's one other thing that strikes me about this is that if Everton can begin to envisage a first team without Gareth Barry. In Bessage and McCarthy, if you if you if you could have a, a neat little centre mid three of Bessage, McCarthy and Barkley, say, mm-hmm. with Naismith and one of Morales or Lennon, because Naismith can play either side moving around the car coup, that liberates those full backs, I think. Mm-hmm. And it creates pockets of space for everyone to play in, including Bessage and McCarthy. Because what Bessage and McCarthy have both got is a really impressive ability to cover the ground. So what that means is, you know, full backs can go, but they can go knowing. I've got Bessage, I've got I've got McCarthy behind me, mm. and they're going to be able to shut lacrosse. And you know, if gaps appear, they can begin to mm. snuff things out. They can either snuff things out by attacking, by pressing, by being aggressive, or they can come a co- cover across and let me go, come in, create a little angle, create a little passage of play, and then you've got Barkley moving around. I think that's a, a way for Everton to move forward into something you can almost envisage, where it's almost back two of Jackie El- Jackie Elker and Stones, and and then essentially almost seven lads able to play in in midfield areas all move around because of, because of what Bessage and McCarthy can give you well just one thing before we go to the break I actually envisaged the diamonds coming into fruition for Everton eventually I, I saw that as a natural evolution when Bessage found a slight bit more discipline in his game I thought you'd put McCarthy at the base of it you'd have Bessage there Barkley next to him Naismith mm. uh, at the apex of that uh, and I, I think that would work eventually, I think, and, and therefore you would not need Gareth Barry because McCarthy's more than capable and disciplined enough to, pay, to play uh, DM on his own. OK, this is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. Back in a minute. Uh, wasn't that good? It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. On City Talk 105.9. Good evening, Liverpool City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you through until 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, just talked about Everton there in part two. We've got these Europa League games coming up. Dave's doing the maths now where he works at what time. We've got to cease to talk. Um, these Europa League games coming up. Liverpool home game against Besiktas. Um, the more I think about it, the more I want to see um, a front three where it's uh, Lallana behind Balotelli and Sturridge. Um, I think... Palatelli is at the point now where I think he deserves a start. I think it'd be nice to see that start come. I don't necessarily want to see it against Southampton. Does he need to play in a two? I I think I think he does need to play in a two, and I do wonder whether or not Sturridge is happier in a two. I think both Palatelli and Sturridge are interesting forwards because they've got reputations for what they want to do that. I don't think it's entirely the case. I think Sturridge has got this reputation of being this great shoulder striker, he just wants to play on the shoulder wants to run through, wants to through balls because you've seen him do it so often and look to beat a goalkeeper, you know, that's that, that he wants to use his pace to take him away in his movements get away, lovely technique, get out from his feet, bang. I think that's short-sighted looking at him as a player. Exactly, he wants to come He wants to come in and he wants to be involved and I think you saw that before he got his injury when he, his performance at Spurs when we won 3-0 was magic, but doesn't score himself you know, He was in the derby as well, when, when he came on in the derby, he, he was coming out all the time asking for the ball. Yeah, so he knows he wants to be involved. So I think if, if that's the case, and I think the same with Balotelli, I think Balotelli actually wants to come and get involved as well. I think Balotelli wants that wants the, the, the other focus up front. And I do think that it 
it's time, I think, to give them both that run against Besiktas off the basis that you're probably not. You can give Balotelli 90 minutes conceivably. You're only going to give Sturridge 60, 70 because you've got another eye on Southampton on on the Sunday, and then you can go back just to the one with Sterling, say, mm. uh, in the round. I'd look to get Coutinho and Sterling out of the eleven, um, just because I'd like to see Liverpool go to Southampton with a front three of. Sturridge, Coutinho and Sterling in an ideal world if everyone's fit and then behind them I think if Lucas is out for the month um, that he's mooted as being out for then I think you need perhaps need Alan and Henderson to have another yeah. go next to each other and then you can you know you can throw Ibn at wing back on one flank you can you know stick with Moreno on the other and then I think I wouldn't mind seeing Lovren get himself uh, a game for someone, I think possibly Emre Jan, just to give him a little rest and have the option of using him from the bench mm. uh, against Besiktas so we can come on either at the back or at centre midfield or even higher up the pitch. And well, it's, it's interesting with Jan, Neil, isn't it? That his sort of, you know, foreseeable career with Liverpool is dependent a lot on how Lovren does coming back in because, you know, you, I, in my mind, I'd want to see him in that defensive midfield role as soon as possible. Yeah, you see, I think that, I do think that there's... I wouldn't have a problem with that necessarily, but I don't know if it's nece- it's at this stage healthy for it to be next to Henderson. I think Henderson, it was noticeable, I thought. He, he, I think he needs to just be able to play his own game. And I thought Alan allowed him to do that. I think when, when you're judging Liverpool central midfield partnerships at the moment, I think you've almost got to judge them <clears throat> as a two. Give them a joint mark out of ten, not two individual ones. And I thought Alan and Henderson were both eights against Palace. We're an eight together, but you, you probably just give them both seven, if you sort of see what I mean. Yeah. But together they worked really quite nicely. You felt Henderson wasn't as concerned as he was in the derby about partially about Alan coming on but also partially about Gerrard in front of him you know you felt that Henderson was able to relax a little more same same as he was against Spurs you know the, Henderson became a better player when Emery Jan came centre mid so I think you've got this list really where I think he's probably going to be happiest from now until the end of the season with Lucas and Alan mm-hmm. and with, with Emery Jan further back but You'd probably have Emery Jam there ahead of Gerrard in terms of allowing Henderson to feel as though he can he can burst forward and be part of this sort of stuff. It's it's a funny one that I do think yeah. at the moment there's other problems being solved. But I get Lovren back in just simply because you know. Skittles had an injury this season. Sacco's had an injury this season. You know, Emery Jan's not going to be able to be constantly fit. You need so the cover to be competent. You need him to be. You need him to be confident as well as yeah. competence. You need him to come in and feel like he knows what he's about. So I wouldn't mind seeing Lovren get on and obviously Mignolet, you know, stays in goal. And I think that'd be a nice. It's an, it's striking the balance between being able to hopefully win the tie in so far as you can in the first leg, and you know, because they're a good side, it'll take it'll take a good performance for Liverpool to get two or three goals ahead. And I think you've got to be quite. You can't be complacent about that. Mm. but also being able to have three or four with the feet up before the Southampton game and I think that would help Liverpool I think it's a bit difficult for Everton because fundamentally they'd like a win yeah uh, yeah, that's the thing it, you know you, you look at our recent record I think it it exactly reflects, reflects Liverpool 1 in 16 I think we've won um, which is an atrocious record and a win would do a lot Neil it really would do a lot having the pressure of not won in so long or just having that one win in, in a lot of games would you look at getting Coney on? yeah I would I really would um, even with like, sacrificing Lukaku on the bench it's just something different we need something different I think um, we've, we've tried breaking lines with Lukaku as a lone striker he's looked isolated at times he did have that great chance against Chelsea he was schooled well by Chan in the derby um, before that he looked he looked largely competent but they were against teams that weren't as good as those two had defended him so I, I, I put Kone on 
to hold the ball up and try and get men I'm, in and around them. And with the game obviously coming on Sunday against Leicester, you know, there's there's that as well. You yeah. want you want to feel like you know you you do need to try to because you want to win that game. If you can give two or three a rest, you know, it's Alan or Morales, I presume that sort of thing. Yeah, it is. It, it's um, I, I I think it's a big game for Lennon. I think I think we can expose them with a lot of pace playing on the counter with Lennon. And, uh, is he not cup tied? Uh, oh, he is, isn't he? Sorry, yeah, he is until the next round. I think it is. So uh, is that how that works? That's a bit mad. I think so. Yeah, I think it's only for one particular. I like the Champions League. Thanks for listening to All in the Game this week. We'll do our admin before and next time. We'll uh, think it all through. <laughs> Neil Atkinson and Dave Darney will be with you next week. Have a good evening, folks.